This is Tall Boy Radio. Each week, your hosts, Beans, Gaz and Andy, grab a beer and discuss our topic of the week. We try to keep things uncomplicated. The premise for this podcast is as simple as we are. Not only can you listen to us wherever good podcasts are found, you can also watch us. Just search Tall Boy Radio on YouTube. If you have a story and want to feature on the show, drop us an email at tbrpodcast at hotmail.com or leave us a comment on social media at Tallboy Radio on Twitter and Facebook and at Tallboy Radio Podcast on Instagram or leave us a message via the Anchor app which we can play on the show. This is a Beans Does Stuff production. Anyway, the show is about to start so go grab yourself a cold one, sit back and enjoy. Take three. Go. Welcome back to episode 38 of Tall Boy Radio. This week, we're going to be talking about doomsday preppers. we do that, let's all say hello. Now, we're recording all of us remotely this week. So, Gaz, do you want to say hello first? Hi, guys. Um, Great to be back again this week. Looking forward to this episode. Um, I am currently undertaking an attempt to stop Tober. So um, I'm drinking a caramel latte currently at the moment. Wow. So, yeah, looking forward to this, though, boys. You know, just before we get started there, we, we went on a night out, didn't we, recently? Was, was that not in October? Yes, it was. And as I said pre, we started <laughs> recording this. Yes, the dates were slightly wrong. And I think we went out on the, was it the 1st or the 2nd of October, whatever it was. So Does that mean that... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> It's true, yeah. Do, does that mean then you're going to be carrying it over to the first few days of November? Probably not, no, because I'll be dying for beer by the end of October. <laughs> I'm dying well, for beer now. It's only well, day three or four, whatever it is. <laughs> Go on then, Andy. Put, make him feel jealous. Tell him what you're drinking. Uh, Something not as manly as what he's drinking, but it's a, a Duval. Duval. Yes. Oh, nice. It's a classic. Oh, nice. Great one, great one, Ken. How you doing, guys? Nice to see you again. It's only been a few days, I know, but it was a very nice night out. Thanks for inviting me. On to the next. I took a leaf out of Gaz's book this week. Yes, good work. <laughs> I have. I also have Although that looks that looks surprisingly like the smaller bottle and the larger bottle. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I can't, I can't <laughs> And I've still got a bottle of the American style IPA from Friday, so nice work. Lefty is good. Yeah. Add, myself, what are you drinking? Well, for myself, dude, I've had this staring at me from the back of the fridge now for a couple of weeks, and I've been very excited about it. It's a bramble stout, and I've got to be honest, I'm really disappointed because I can't taste the blackberry in it at all. <laughs> not not I'm, one of your finest moments then, no? No, I'm good. I've been, I've, it's been staring at me. I love Titanic's Plum Port, and I thought this could be up there to match it if it's done right. It's not been done right. It's okay. It just tastes How long nice has it been stuff. in the fridge for? I still say. About three weeks. About three weeks. It's, oh. it's st- still comfortably in date. A beer doesn't last that long in my house. To be honest, it's a miracle it's lasted that long. It's a miracle, a miracle it got through uh, Saturday night, actually. Because, yeah, so. We had our TBR curry night out, didn't we? Cheshire, 
on the borderline of going into lockdown completely, so we managed to squeak it in just in time. In fact, by the time this episode goes out, it might look like we're social distancing for the right reasons. Yeah. Well, no, it, it was good, wasn't it, to catch you up, sit down, thrash out a few ideas and just uh, just just shoot the breeze a little bit, wasn't it? Anybody who's seen the, uh, the, obviously, the production meetings, the notes from that production meeting can see we were taking it seriously. Uh, and that we honestly managed to thrash out a, few, a fair few ideas, probably what we get to next year. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, in, into yeah. the year. Although I, I am slightly concerned that looking back through some of my texts, I think I've sort of tried to rope in Dave from Double Trouble, Dark Wolf and everybody else into the next world record attempt. So I'm not quite sure I'm going to get all that in at the moment, but we'll wait I'm, and see. <laughs> I, I'm still I'm still catching up from the tweets actually from that. And I, and I just saw one today where Dark Wolf said he was looking forward to our next world record attempt. Well, that came up. I think that came up on the night. Obviously, I tweeted him, and then I can't remember whether he liked it that night or it might have been the following day or something. Um, so I was like, "Yeah, cool. Yeah, you know, we'll see what we can do." And then I think That's Sid it. popped up. Sid popped up, and he goes, "New world record attempt." Big question. Right? We're like, "Yeah, we're just just in planning at the moment, Sid. Don't worry about it. It's fine." So we've well, we furnished Andy with a set of darts as well. So just like Bullseye, we could have the non-darts player involved. <laughs> <laughs> with the 80s hairdo as well yeah, yeah. yeah. find Absolutely. somebody called Tony Green on the mic or whatever to do the commentary and he'll be fine oh, I, th- I think Big Grey would do that one if you asked him nicely <laughs> Big bro- no he's Jim Bowen dude you can't have he's, oh, he's Jim yeah, Bowen yeah. yeah that's true Yeah, you need somebody that's else true. we'll find somebody I'm sure yeah. so the number 19 is relevant to this episode Yes, it's number 38, which is two 19s, as you'll know if you play darts. Absolutely. See what I did there? So we did. I did 19 episodes of Beans Does Stuff before we changed this to Tall Boy Radio. So this is the 19th episode. So we've done as many Tall Boy Radios now as we did Boys, Beans Does Stuff. So that's pretty good. So the next one we do, that's it. We're hitting it out of the park and we're, we're taking it down the motorway and running. To be fair though, dude, it's, I mean, numbers-wise and countries-wise, we're, we're sort of hitting it's starting to hit out of the park at the moment we're not quite there yet but no 100% we've seen a massive uplift in our listing figures recently and that's where the number 19 comes also into relevance again because we're now in 19 different countries I can't remember what they are but if you're interested in seeing what they are get yourself onto the blog on tallboyradio.com and there's a list there of all the countries that we're in apart from Singapore, because I was 18 when I listed it on there. So Singapore is a 19th country that, that Tallboy Radio has found its way into. That is an amazing achievement, mate, from where it started. Humble beginnings um, to, to where you are now. I think maybe maybe you could do what if you get to 50, 100, you can maybe do like a listener prompted one, see if, see if yeah. they come up with ideas for episodes, and maybe for a special edition 50th or 100. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, if, if any listeners want to hear anything anyway, just get in touch, let us know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, we, we, we've said, I mean, obviously, um, to YouTube, via via all the sort of social media networks, so tourmalradio.com, you know, the blog, get in touch with us, um, let us know, comment on any of the sort of episodes you've heard before, um, let us know what, what you want us for goons to sort of talk about as such, um, <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. How uh, do things go on with... Um... Because you were branching out into different platforms as well, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. We're still waiting to hear back from Pandora and Audible, but we're now on Amazon uh, and quite a few on Tab Tales was the one we were talking about on the weekend, which is an interesting yeah. new sort of social media experience for podcasters as well. 
So, shall we get started then with this episode? As you know, before we do, just wanted to mention another feature that we've added to the website since. So, previously, if you wanted to leave us a voicemail, you had to download the Anchor app. Now you don't. You can just record it from your phone on our website. Click on the link. Go to tallboyradio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the homepage and click on the link there. And it takes you to another site where you can leave us a message. And we can then play that on the podcast as well. So don't have to mess around downloading any apps. You, you know, you, you're not filling up any phone memory. Just record it straight there. I think 90 seconds you can send, send us through there. And we can get it on the podcast. You can hear your voice amongst ours on there if that's your sort of thing. Tiddy Shiner, get on it. Love to hear from you guys. Come on. 100%. 100%, yeah. Absolutely. That's an awesome T-shirt, by the way, Adam. <laughs> well, yeah, Sin City Brewers. I thought, you know, Gaz, just just rub it in a little bit now that he's not got the beer, uh, the beer in his system. I'll stick it on my T-shirt instead. Yeah. So, so this episode then, as we said, Doomsday Preppers. It's something that's fascinated me for a while. You've probably seen the show on Netflix, Doomsday Preppers, or I think it's on Sky as well. And I've always been fascinated by people who have that level of preparedness as to whether it's out of fear or they just genuinely do get a sense that things are going a little bit south and they're taking the necessary precautions. So I'm just going to chuck out two little two little facts uh, then to, to start off. So have any of you guys heard of a lady by the name of Jean Dixon, a psychic? Nope. Well, she wrote a book in 1971 called The Call to Glory, in which she predicted that Jesus would be returning between the years of 2020 to 2037, um, and that ultimately he would usher in an apocalypse. And 2020 this year kind of felt a little bit like that's already started. And the other one I wanted to share with you was MIT, uh, in the, the Institute in Massachusetts. They built a computer program called World One in 1973, which predicted that the year 2020 would see a series of catastrophic events that kicks off a 20-year process that would lead to the slow demise of human civilization. Not on that cheery note. <laughs> <laughs> you know 2020 well it it's been a bit of a it's been a bit of a bleak year hasn't it and in the states it's actually seen 5.59 percent of females and 7.14 percent of males actually going out and buying prep stuff due to the recent events the political events and obviously the pandemic is, is it something, in all seriousness, that you guys have ever considered prepping for a doomsday? No. no I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, <laughs> were you a yes then, Andy? <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, I've seen TV shows on it and everything like that, and I always think to myself, what would I do in that situation? So mm. I, I haven't prepared or anything like that. Um, but I don't know, it's something you always keep in mind. What would you do if... You know, like a big tidal wave came to the UK or something like that, and most of the country could be underwater, and it? so it's like, oh, what do you do then? And yeah, uh, but yeah, I've not like I've not got a stockpile of spam and uh, <laughs> beer. <laughs> See, I wish I did. Anderson <laughs> shelter, you know, down in the back of the garden. It's like, yeah, I'll just go for that hatch up there. There we go. But I, I, I read somewhere they were saying that basically, like. <laughs> gone is is the old traditional sort of oh let's build an anderson shelter back in the day you know and, and let's let's it and and effectively it's 
yep. not quite will roam the streets, but it is very much more like, you know, you will go and hunt and you will go scavenge and you will go and get the stuff that you need as opposed to actually you're just going to stay in one place because actually eventually and ultimately some of the theories are that that one place then actually isn't enough for you to survive and at some point you're going to have to go and scavenge and hunt and whatever else it may be. So, um, but yeah, so it's interesting that sort of which would just sort of stay relatively local or would you just grab your backpack, grab your 90 days of food or whatever it is in tin cans and just sort of typical sort of walking dead away you go, sort of let, let's go looking for, for what we can find sort of thing. Um, I mean, I haven't really thought about what I would do. I mean, I suppose, let's not talk necessarily zombie apocalypse, but if we talk about some sort of catastrophic event that, that devastates the infrastructure and the, the, the electrical grid goes down and all those sorts of things. I'd like to think I'm relatively practical, but actually when when the shit hits the fan, would you be ready? Is there any way that you can possibly be ready? I don't know. What you, I mean, I don't know. What 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 do you think? I'd would you? What would you do? <clears throat> what would I do? Is probably panic, go buy myself a whole load of beer, and then just sit around and mope. But truthfully, no. It's it's one of those things. I watch these shows, and the people on there, some of them strike you as in- intelligent people who have a plan that actually they could bug out really really quickly. It's really organised, and some of them will sort. Of, do dry runs on a regular basis because they're that convinced that the political situation is the case that you know it is going to go pear shaped any day soon. I am I I am I am not prepped. No, uh, and we only just we only needed to see it with how this country coped with the start of the pandemic that you couldn't buy toilet roll anywhere. So you know <laughs> it's one of those things. I tell you what, in the event of an apocalypse. I still want a comfortable poop. I'm telling you now. I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to look out for. <laughs> there, there was there was a program on. Um, I don't know this was it Sky Atlantic or might be BBC One or something where the, it was just, it was a not quite apocalyptic, but the, basically the national grid went down and sort of uh, the national uh, the equivalent of like the national guard were called in, the army were called in, and various cities were in lockdown and chaos and all of that. And you thought, crikey. You know, actually, if you were in the middle of one of those cities, plunged into darkness, effectively no method of transport other than you walk around or push bike type thing, you'd be like, okay, so I've probably got enough food in my house for a couple of days, maybe, and you might have like biscuits and they might last longer. But in terms of actual proper food, so well, go to the supermarkets. Yeah, they've all been looted. Because like everybody else has been there, so everybody else is going there, and it's like, okay, so I'll go to the supermarket, and does that all of a sudden mean that I then become a criminal? Do I start looting because everybody else is? And if I don't, then that means that I'm not going to be able to provide. And and it's there's all these things, and and it was a bit like, and it wasn't quite doomsday, but the TV program, I can't for the life remember what what it's called. When one of you guys are talking, I'll see if I can Google it, um, and. One of the guys that was in train spotting playing the the British Prime Minister. I can't fly to remember what 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 the program was called. Um, and and basically these various places went into effectively lockdown, and there were secure areas and all the safe areas and safe zones and all this sort of stuff. And you thought, bloody hell, that actually is pretty frightening. That's like, what would you do? Do you know what I mean? Well, here's the question then: 
and this just goes out to all of you, what's that one event? At what point do you think, actually, I do need to take a level of preparedness? It's hard because you would think, I don't know, meteor hitting, catastrophic environmental effect, you know, your typical, like, your deep impact type thing. Or do you go, actually, the political system in a number of very wealthy countries are going tits up, which means that the National Guard effectively going to be called in, the army going to be called in. Then do you go down the martial law route? And then it's like, wow, that creates a whole different set of problems. You know what I mean? So I think I think anarchy would be one of the things that I'd be pretty worried about is basically you would get lawless streets, you would get, you know, r- roaming gangs taking what they wanted, that sort of thing. So um you could potentially possibly be prepared for that but i don't think can you plan for a catastrophic event i don't know i don't know so so you you would all you'd almost be waiting then for the shit to hit the fan uh you know you're not there's not one sort of event you'd be thinking "Ah, that would trigger me to do something beforehand no i don't think so no i I don't think so i think i think as andy said from watching various TV shows and this and the other. I, th- I think you try to have an idea as to actually these would be the important things. These are the essential 10, 15, 20 things that I would probably need. And if I did have to go out and loot, they would be the things that I would go for first. But yeah, I, I don't think I don't think there is something that would, if it happened, would make me then think, oh, this is it sort of thing. I don't know. What, what, what about you, Andy? Uh, it depends what it was. If if we got advance warning of something happening, then I'd be like, you know, we better sort some out just in case. But if it's something out of the blue like Corona, then um, I don't know. You, I sort of take chances, don't you? But I, I think this year has shown a few things of like, you know, like, like you mentioned the toilet paper, for example. Like everyone's stealing that. And it's like of all the things to take. Well, not stealing. Sorry. <laughs> Hoarding, shall we say? And it's like of all the things to take, I don't think Luro will be on my my list. <laughs> I'd rather just use a sock or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say that. You, you say that. <laughs> but one one of the things that because I just it, when I was sort of looking a bit earlier and, it, and and I sort of um, googled how to survive an apocalypse, um, and, and it came up with number one like various essentials so 90 days of food and this that and then number two obtain and stockpile basic survival items water canned food blankets and pillows and stuff but strangely enough in there it then says other than an emergency first aid kit it then says keep yourself healthy and one of the things in there was toilet paper toothbrush and toothpaste shovel or trowel bleach well, you can, you know. <laughs> so actually, you're not too far wrong with the old, the old toilet paper, there, dude. The toilet no. paper thing, though, a lot of, a lot of people actually use a cloth and then rewash it and stuff like that. Not, not my cup of tea, but yeah. there are some houses, even in the UK, that use that. They will use a cloth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, not food not for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what, what about you, Ken? Would, would you be looking to wipe your ass with socks? Terracloth nappies, I guess, is the way forward, I guess, now. Um, that, uh, in, a, in that sort of scenario, it would turn into something like The Purge. Anybody yeah. with 
with weapons would be immediately king. And then it would just be a collaboration of roving gangs looting and scavenging and all that sort of stuff. There, There is enough video games out there where you can do that and yeah. play the survival prep. Fallout's an excellent uh, example of that. The Fallout universe is, is a great example of having to start from a situation of zero, the world is gone, go on, carry on. And that's a very idealistic scenario, but if, if nobody... In, I suspect, oh, sorry, a very, very small group of people in the UK will be prepared for the, that sort of eventuality because we're so, I guess, in doctrine that we're, we're nothing's going to go wrong and the government will look after us and everything will be fine. Whereas in, whereas in America and other countries around the world, maybe in South America as well, that just doesn't, that sort of belief in that the government's doing the best thing for you and will look after you is just not as as prevalent as it is over here. So in a situation with the apocalypse, or depending on what apocalypse it is, if, like Gaz says, a deep impact meteor, we're all toast anyway. The atmosphere burns off and we're, do, we're doomed anyway. Unless you're living in Cheyenne Mountain um, or, or living in a military bunker, then you are absolutely toasted. Nuclear winter, we'll all be dead in, in, in months. World War Three, World War Three will be the shortest battle of war of all time because it'll be over in two and a half days and we'll all get a great tan for about half a second before we're all get before we all disappear into dust zombie apocalypse again i'm not a big fan of zombies anyway but should that come to pass again people with weapons people with defensible positions you're going back to the old mott and bailey style things of castles back in the medieval time high yeah. ground is your best friend um I don't know if there's anything... I mean, the political uncertainty, as you've mentioned, Nance, is, in America is, and as Gaz mentioned as well, is is, is a tricky one because because there, there, there are so many different scenarios uh, which survivalists um, have a plan for. It, it doesn't seem that they will literally... The first sign of trouble, the first thing they do is that's it. Grab my... Grab my as you said, I grab my bug out stuff, grab my bag, grab my vehicle, grab my, get to my location, and I will lock down for as long as I feel it is comfortable. They'll have air generators, they'll have oxygen, yeah. they'll have air filtration systems, they'll have three years worth of food stocked up, three years worth of water. Um, shout out to my mum, who, when this whole COVID thing started over here and we were heading slowly into a lockdown, me and her discussed it and she started sending stuff. So I I think I've got like months worth of water purification tablets and stuff like that. I do have some, I do have some protective gear, that sort of stuff that my mum sent me, which is for me and Sam, which is great. Um, at this particular point in time, I mean, we don't even know. It's the unfortunate thing is, it's just with with what's happened with the figures that they've projected or have said. What if it carries on like this? And my first thought was, this is a self fulfilling prophecy. You've already said the figures. You've got a backlog of test results and then you, oh, 15,000 came out of nowhere and it just fulfills what they're expecting people to do. Again, scares people. Is anybody prepared for it? For, no. There's there'll be very few people who were sat there like, if this goes down again, I am absolutely 100% on top of it. Nobody is. Because because this, we don't believe it's ever going to happen. But there are those out there who are 100% guaranteed this will happen either militarily, governmental, or from out sources outside our control that will just have nothing to do with We won't have, be able to control any of it. But there are those who, 
will be absolutely 100% prepared and they'll be the ones who will be in charge of restocking the human race. It's probably very true, I suppose. You know, there are those out there that are prepared and those are the people that we need to befriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Well, they ultimately what? are looked on as conspiracy theorists or... Or, or, or just, in fact, weirdos because they've got a bunker, they've got stuff together. They, but if everything goes down, if the whole thing falls apart, like you said, yeah. <laughs> those are the guys whose door will be knocking on. Hundred percent, if you can find it. So yeah, <laughs> so guys, <laughs> when you were doing your, your, you know, you were looking online, did you check out a website called DoomsdayPrep.com? Uh, no, I didn't. What I did do was I put obviously Doomsday Preppers and did um, a little bit of stuff on like the Netflix stuff, um, and then I looked on like how to survive an apocalypse. It then came up how to survive a zombie apocalypse, but I didn't go down that route because that's a different show type thing, different podcast. Um, and and it, it gave you various survivalist links to um, websites, and you will get, as Ken said, you know, you have got people there that will give you very practical steps in how you actually prepare um and they go very much from and although he isn't one but you know your bear grills type this is how you skin a fish and this is how you survive in the wild type thing to actually more urban in which case it's like right how can you um create um power and electricity and generate and and all of those things it's so there are various um so different environments that, that they go down in terms of very, very um, wild, all the way to actually very urban settings. Um, but I didn't see, I didn't see, um, I didn't click that link. I'm assuming by that you have. Um, I have. Okay, I'll tee you up nicely then. There you go. And I tell you, it is, it's a really good website. Not only... Can you read on the blog, which has got some fantastic articles like how to turn a lawnmower into a generator? It's also got a shop where you can buy an awful lot of the stuff that you would need to create your bug out pack. And Andy, I just think there's a lot of stuff on there that you could go wild and go to town <laughs> and get in, get in your bunker. Because, it, But the one thing that did concern me most on there was a lot of it was out of stock. Which sort of implied, that people, <laughs> yeah, people were getting prepared, you know, and also, you know, actually, I wasn't, I didn't check toilet rolls out, uh, but they did have a couple of toilet options that are the twenty seven ninety nine and ninety four ninety nine. It's you know, one the the more expensive one was a camp toilet, so I'm presuming it comes in pink. Um, ah, thank you, thank you, I thank you for that. So <laughs> let let's 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 go down that route then. The worst has already happened, whether it is a Walking Dead-style zombie apocalypse or let's think of something slightly worse than that. Weave and Cheshire for Life have oh. taken control. <laughs> the whole country has gone to anarchy, and we're at a point now where we feel that we need to bug out. So let's just go down that list of things that they look for on the show, Doomsday Preppers. And what, what are the sort of things you'll be looking to do then? Uh, so let's start off with, you know, the basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs stuff and go down the old food and water route. What would you do to ensure your food and water were clean and, and safe and you had access well, to it? The first question would be is where's your location? Where are you going? If you, go, yeah. you have to do that, where would you go right now? Where's the first thing I, you think? The Winchester. Well, 
and that's Wait. what I was saying. And that's what I was saying in terms of do you prep for and try to get in the things that you need at your current location, I for me and I'd Alsager and, and, and whatever, or is it something that you would look and somewhere you would try to naturally gravitate to? In which case, those two different scenarios, you would require different things. You would. Okay. Go on. Go on. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do shelter first then. Actually, shelter was second on the list. If you watch the Doomsday Preppers program, I've just picked the ones in the order that they do. So they do food yeah. and water first. So we'll go shelter first then. Well, food and water is important. Food and water is important. Whether it's yeah. you stay where you are or, or pick you one. go, pick one and do one. Which you want, food, food and water, or shelter first? Water. <laughs> water. This is what's going to happen when we're in control of the whole thing, is it? That's what you're going to just going to yell at people. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. The first thing for me, and the most important ingredient for the um, prolonging of life, is water. So that is the absolute first thing that I'm looking for. Hundred percent. Yeah. No question. No question. Uh, it's, not, it's not even a contest because the human because the human physiology absolutely one hundred percent needs that. It's not even a five without food for an extended period of time, as long as you can hydrate yourself and stay within the limits of water. I, I've stuck myself up. You know, I've got a couple of weeks in here. <laughs> Is that just from Friday? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> so, so what? You know, how long can the can the the human body survive without water? Without water, yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's not that long. It's not that long. I don't think. No, 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 no. Um, I, I want to say, you know, I say a few days. Um, mm. I know you can survive without food if you have water for much longer. And these people that go on sort of hunger strikes and stuff that they keep effectively hydrated and they can last for. The only reason I'm filling now is obviously Ken's on it now, so I can see him there. So, <laughs> um, no, but. You can't survive without water for very long, but the extent of time relies on environmental conditions, activity level, age, health, weight, sex, and food intake. Uh, eight, eight to 21 days without food or, or, and water. Uh, it's just that you can't survive more than eight, eight, days, eight, eight days minimum. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's it. And if you don't touch another, at uh, that point, it's like, it's like the old, um, it's like the old adage about, about the sea. And it's like water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. Yeah, I, I think Homer Simpson saying it's better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. But yes, I agree with Gaz one hundred percent. Water would be the exact or, or 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 water purification tablets. So you could just take water from wherever the source, and then just make sure it's drinkable. Okay, so I've just had a quick look here, Adam. It said um, it says a human can go without food for about three weeks, but would typically only last three to four days without any water. Yeah. So, yeah, I, just, I thought it was about three days. So um, would that be the first thing then on your list? Purification. Try and say it again. Purification tablets. Yeah, I try the third third time. Purification. Yeah. Purification. Five times. Purification <laughs> tablets. There we go. We got there. Yeah. Purification. Friday, mate. I think purification. I think water purification tablets or a way of purifying water. Um, that would be the one thing that. For me, I'd have to go for first. You have to because that's the basic human need is is water. You can't. That's it. Well, here, yeah. Here's a thought that wouldn't that wouldn't pan out too well for you for this month anyway, Gaz. But 
Back in the day when some cities couldn't trust their water system, people would drink beer because it was an alcoholic uh, product and the, 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 the water that had been used in it obviously had to be purified for it actually to work as a, as a beer. So that's the other thing you could keep an eye out for is, is beer. So probably raiding Andy's cupboard wouldn't do you any uh, <laughs> absolutely but I, I think there might be one or two other things in beer but... would you have to get to Andy's from all Sage anyway before getting mobbed by people wanting all your stuff yeah. I drank it all by then anyway yeah <laughs> nothing there forget it <laughs> no I, I think I think and I, I, I'd be quite happy to be shouted down but for me I think the, the most important thing would be water it has to be um after that, you can then go, okay, do you go food, stroke, shelter? I'm not sure. I think, ironically, I think... Probably another one. One of the things that... Yeah, one of the things... I think you might need some form of weapon. I think you would have to have some form of knife or some sort of way to defend yourself. Knife, baseball, bat, golf club, whatever it may be. I think you would have to... I mean, not knife's the obvious one because you can obviously use that for for various other things as well, sort of skinning food and, and carving and this, that and the other and stuff. So, um, you know, you then start looking at Maslow's hierarchy, so warmth, you know, so safety, warmth and all of those things, uh, your very basic physiological needs, you know, it, it's it's air, it's warmth, it's food, it's shelter. You know, they're the, they're the very simple physiological needs, aren't they? So, um, you know, they would be the thing, surely, that you would go for first. Um, so, guys, go you... straight for the hills, personally, because it's yeah, yeah, but the hills have eyes. You've got to remember that, though, Andy. That's, that, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah, Johnny you've got four when you've been drinking. <laughs> but, um, but it's that whatever country you've got the moisture from the clouds, you've got streams, and yeah. you're sort of ticking off all that just by going, you know, a thousand feet in the air or whatever it is. Or yeah. I've run straight to the hills. There's no people there as well, so it's even better. <laughs> this is true. I'm gonna get as well. Andy's obviously had his basic survival training and, uh, and a little more, so he's the guy we should be uh, listening to on this, I suppose. So, food then next. We talked a little bit, of, bit of Gaz, actually, when you did your food episode about killing, killing our food. Is that something that we could do? I checked my Instagram earlier today, and our buddy Shiner over in Oklahoma, he's been on his deer list today, and he's he's put one in the dirt as he calls it, so he's picked up his deer with his bow. Is that something we could do, do you think? Is that something you guys could do? Well, if it meant the difference between going hungry and not, absolutely, I could kill something to eat it, yeah, 100%. I've heard people aren't too bad either, like chicken. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Hannibal. <laughs> I, I thought it was a sweet, like a sweet pork. Desperation, we were... necessity. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Levels. yeah. Look, at the end of the day, guys, you know, you don't know... You don't know the, the extent of the human will and the human mind and stuff. And and it's funny because we, I can't remember what I was, talk, I was talking to um, a guy who's playing golf with him. We're talking about that the human mind and the human psyche. And actually, it was a we we're talking about which is strange. We we're on a golf course enjoying a, a nice game of golf. We we're talking about um, prison guards back in the day, back in Stalin's day and Hitler's day and stuff. And we we're talking about how the mind can be turned. You know, those those guards that started that job under Hitler or Stalin or whoever, they weren't bad people at that point. But then over a period of time, they realised that actually to maintain their level of 
life and their level of being able to provide, they would have to do things to other people that affected Hitler said or Stalin said or whatever. So when you look at these people that c committed war crimes, you know, when they went into the army at the age of 18, they weren't drastically evil that they would consider doing that, but over a period of time, and it, we got talking about the human psyche and, and what humans were capable of. And, and I said that effectively the human mind and the human psyche is capable of absolutely everything. If somebody's standing there in front of my two kids and wants to really, really hurt my two kids, I know that I would be pretty capable of doing pretty much anything. Whether I'll be able to succeed in that, but I know that in my mind I would do absolutely anything that I could in order. So if it meant the difference between I know I'm going to die if I or kill that deer and eat it, I'm killing it and eating it. It's, it's that simple. And if I didn't catch it first time round, I'd figure a way of catching it second, third, fourth time round. Because I know that if I can't do that, I'm going to die because I can't eat. So for me, 100%, I could do it, yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to um, the human the human race or human beings in general. Everybody has a limit. The human the, It's just where where your mental boundaries are and where... It, because once... You're in a position of desperation. Every everything's off the table. It doesn't yeah. make a difference. As Guy says with his kids, uh, and same with you. I'm mm -hmm. sure you. I'm sure Andy in the same situation with people you care about, people you love, people who are very, very dear to you or vital to your existence as a human being. You would do anything, even put your own, put yourself at risk to make sure that they survive. And if that means for the first time ever you pick up a knife and have to start stabbing someone to make sure you survive and they survive while the while the initial thought will be i can't do this well yeah you can because you will whatever whatever it takes and again yeah. that's a, again it's a mindset it's just like whatever it takes and yeah. again survivalist preppers this sort of thing they're all that's that's their mentality whatever it takes whatever i need to do to survive whatever i whatever i need to stockpile to survive what I'm going to do because that's that's what I need to do. Yeah. And, and, and it's and I, it's very difficult though. It, it in, difficult. In, it's difficult in modern. I say the way modern Western society is and civilization is. You know, you, you turn around and talk about you know could you kill somebody or another yeah. living thing, whether it be an animal or a person. You'd be like, no, just because you know civil, civilization society dictates it. Actually, that that's a crime. That's wrong, and it is. You know, but if we're talking about you know apocalyptic world and actually it's a difference between you surviving or they are surviving or you're protecting your family or you lose your family it's a no-brainer for me yeah, so yes so it, in answer to your question yes absolutely i could kill the food that i would want to eat yeah well you know when i always come up with an idea for a podcast idea <clears throat> i always have that second one which takes it to the nth degree and one of them was, I was kind of thinking, TBR takes to the hills, that kind of a thing. Could we go and do, I'm not suggesting survival. To us, you guys have made me a little bit nervous. You've taken me on to killing people really, really quickly into this episode. <laughs> Dude, uh, it's an apocalyptic event. It's not just I, I some know. random camping jolly in the wilderness thing. You get to shoot bow and arrows. This is like, the, we are going to die. <laughs> That's all. I, this, this I know. I, I'm nervous, though. I've, I've got a decent beer belly. I mean, thanks, thanks to quarantine, you know, the old quarantine 15 where you put on, 15 pounds so i've probably done a little bit more than that i think to be honest i've done quarantine take one for the team i put it on for my whole family but I, i'd be nervous with you guys if we got a bit peckish and we were, we were 10 miles from a spa you're thinking he's gonna taste like a bourbon glazed pork <laughs> <laughs> dude 10, 10 miles is now 
10 miles in that, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be fine. 10 miles is just a mere hike. It's not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shove, you in the, shove you in the middle of the wilderness and in two weeks' time when I'm absolutely starving and not eating anything for two weeks, that might be a different matter. Two weeks. But... Two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about that. So we've covered off there food and water. So shelter was the other big one then that we were talking about. And you're on about taking to the hills. Do you think then that you could you could build a shelter that we could fit the four of us under? Because I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be capable of doing that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think uh, you know, you, in like school and stuff, you learn how to do basic shelters. So you know, like you build a frame and you put branches on it as a lean-to sort of thing. So you also got caves and stuff like you could. Uh, you know, like to try and cover the hole up or whatever. So th- there are different methods. It depends how, you know, we, how much effort you want to put into it. For the for the very, say, say for the very first day, you just like set up some basic just to get you through like a night or whatever. But then as you go get going, there's four of you. You sort of you're laughing. Four, if you've got four adults, you you can carry more stuff. Yeah, and, get and I suppose once once you look at sort of yeah, you're looking for the high ground. Um, you would you would have a, a, some sort of knowledge of uh, weather conditions, you know, does rain run off the mountain this side or this side, or does it run off the hill this side, does it collate this side, where are your natural pools going to be, um, where does your wind, na- you know, sort of basically come from, um, and, you know, you, you can adapt your um, living conditions as such to, to suit that. Um, if you haven't seen it, there's, there's a couple of videos online of, of a couple of guys in, some sort of, I don't know, it's like the rainforest and might be sort of Vietnam or sort of um, Thailand, somewhere like that. And they basically build these fantastic creations, house, basically pools and water slides and stuff. And they do everything basically just in the land and they use stones and that they, they basically um, sculpt bricks and rocks and stuff. And they use water, they use clay that the sun bakes it so it goes hard and, and basically sets. Um, and, you know, I was saying it's amazing because in these situations, you actually realize the earth that we live on and the earth can actually provide pretty much everything that you would need to survive. It it, it provides the materials, the resources, the food, the water, potentially natural shelter. You know, so all the things that you would look at in terms of what is important to survive, the earth provides. Um, and I think Andy made, made the point um, earlier and he sort of said it was a bit of a forgotten art. Do you know what I mean? Go back, go back in in time, and and people would use these natural skills that the human race would have, and we sort of seem to have lost that. And whether or not the survivalists and the preppers have more of those skills, or they just aware of them and they effectively they're prepping to use them, I, I don't know. Um, but certainly shelter, you know, shelter is pretty important. You can't you can't go long if you're out in the elements. You know, when you think about certainly the, the depending on where you are in the world, the, the, the extremes of temperature that you might go through from day to night and all that sort of stuff and some of the conditions that you might get, you know, shelter's pretty darn important. So who are the people then you'd be looking to bunk up with? The guys that you know that, that can provide the skills that you would say Andy. fall short with. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Ad. If it's a, if it's a choice between Andy or you, Andy's every day of the week. Yeah, hundred percent. 
This this I body's higher maintenance, so more food. Yeah, yeah. More, more you beer. know what? Yeah, you you might need more food and you might need more beer, <laughs> but I can absolutely guarantee that your body could provide for us slightly better than Adam could provide for us. So one hundred percent. That did sound a bit. That sounded very suspect. Yeah, that did sound very bizarre. Yeah, and actually, if it's true, I'm glad that's the case. <laughs> I'm happy this to be here uh... for me. <laughs> this, is this turning into a bit of a blue episode? Or... <laughs> oh. it's, it's going down those routes. It is going down those routes. Ken. Yes. <laughs> what can I follow that up with? Seriously, I mean, he's absolutely. I mean, the situation is you want to, you'd be wanted to be around someone who has some sort of either military training, or or police training, or some sort of medical training. That if you can cobble together three or four people who have medical training, military training, uh, and some sort of uh, and some sort of educational training, you're golden, yeah. aren't you? Really, because you've got you've got. A TI is going to cover off everything pretty much. Uh, yeah. There's always going to be people who are going to excel at certain things, but if you're just getting a group of four guys from the Mir, then 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 you're totally. But, but it but it is it, it is interesting because you look at some and and it's slightly false because you know that it's not real. But when you look at these things on um, TV and you look at Bear Grylls and he drops eight normal people normal people um, onto an island and it's like right you're going to be there for a month and stuff. And quite a lot of the time, yeah, you've got a couple of medics that might be in there or you've got a couple of guys that ex some military or whatever. But there are times when your average Joe rocks up and you think, bloody hell, that guy's that guy's pretty handy, he's pretty useful, he's pretty switched on and stuff. So yeah, you can logic would dictate that you would need your ex military, you would need your 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 medically trained um but it's like most things that like you talk about. Yeah, you can prep for that. You can think that's important. But actually, when it comes to it, you never really know how you're going to react because you might get some guys that sort of freeze, some guys that don't react in a way that, that, that you won't become very selfish or whatever. You know, the, the guys, I can do this on my own and go off on their own. And I mean, it's interesting. Would you look to, and I, and I, I take the sort of zombie apocalypse, but take the zombies out of it, would you look to join other smaller communities to then create a bigger community that and, and is there then safety in numbers or is 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 that something that you guys would do or would you look to just perhaps stay as a group of two three four however many there are if you stay as a group think... of four you, you stay on sorry sorry Andy, go for it, mate. no 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 crack on you started first all right then. Uh, <laughs> so in a, in a group of two to three or four then you stay off the radar for a while, but eventually you're going to need more uh, cohesion, more stability, and more supplies. Yeah. It eventually means you are going to end up running or having to reach out to other communities of the same thing, and, and sort of like there will be there would become a situation where what do you actually offer? Are you worth two days worth of food to us? What do you actually bring to the situation? Can you yeah. make our collective better? by being in it, or are you just going to leech and parasite our resources? In which case, then, if you are, you're not coming in. And then it becomes a very, then it becomes a very um, dog-eat-dog world at that point. And yeah. then, it just, then it just descends into survival of the fittest. It, that, that's yeah. what it 
being if you are prepared and you have the skill that they can use great if you don't you are not no use for anybody yeah uh yeah i i, 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 I think you're right i think it, it is it is it is a balancing act isn't it and it's about balancing what it is that you can provide for yourself with the skills that you have and balance that with actually other things that I'm going to need that I can't provide with my, for myself. And therefore I am going to have to go and look to find people that can provide those things that I need and forget you, you, you know, forget you want and, and all of that sort of um, the need stroke want scenario. We're talking about things that you absolutely need in order to survive. Not, not, what do you want it's what do you need in order to survive and there will be things that you can't provide for yourself you know i would not have the skill you might think oh yeah i can cobble up a, a, a sort of shelter or whatever basically into and try and wrap some branches around it but then after the second or third attempt it's like really those knots are crap they're just going to get loose you know so you think actually there are things that i would think that i could do that actually when push came to shove you'd be like could I? Could I really do those things? And that's when you gravitate towards something like Andy, who maybe has some basic training, thinks, I know how to do those things. And then you think, well, actually, if you know how to do those things, I can offer this and I can offer something else. So, okay, I'll put, I'll put you three on the spot then because I like doing this. What are the things that you think that you would bring to a community or what are the things that you think that you could add that would allow you access into either another smaller group or a community. I think I know what Andy's going to say, but Andy, you go first. I, I don't know what you'd So the question would be... <laughs> no, 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 I, I don't know what the question well, is, but I don't know yeah. what you'd think I'd bring. Personally, I, so, you know, you're saying, going back to the uh, Bear Grylls thing, is you, there's a lot of transferable skills. So, like, say, once you've get into that environment, like, you guys will probably be like, well, actually, I know I need this, that, and the other. How do I do it? So you just got to, you know, just just think about it and stuff. You, you can get people that will have the skills that will say, you know, how to catch a rabbit or gut a fish or whatever, but it's something that you could probably pick up pretty quickly and through trial and error. So, yeah, um, yeah, you know what I mean? You never know. I, I'd personally go for people with the right temperament rather than... Because you, you can get some guy who goes, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm you'll turn up in a, like a camo stuff and say, oh, yeah, I, 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 know how to do, I know what to do with it. I can make us survive for days. It's like... He's probably got an interest in it, but he might not have, you know, like the thought about of caring for like a group of people and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. it's another little thing. I, I'd, I'd personally just look at temperament of people and stuff like that and see. So when you're saying like, what can you bring? You sort of, you know, like an interview where you say like, oh, I can bring A, B, C. But then there's also like how they say it and what they say. And so it's not, you know what I mean? Um, I'd, I'd rather bring in people that look for the wider community rather than saying, Oh, I I want to do this. I want to do that. It should be like, well, you know, I can help you do this. I can help you do that. I can. I don't know. Yeah. So no. so, tem temperament, <laughs> so 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 temperament and tolerance, effectively, as opposed to here are the skills because you would feel as though those skills are transferable, and anybody that has the right temperament and the right tolerance of others would be able to adapt and learn those. Yeah, yeah. So, so say like going back to your question, what would I if I had to sell myself to what would I bring to a group? It would just be like, well, I don't know. I'm calm under pressure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how, how good are you under pressure? Terrible, but I can do Bohemian Rhapsody. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, so, um, I, I'd, I'd struggle with that question. 
personally. I, I'd struggle yeah. with saying how would I sell myself. It's like, oh, not, I can't do this, that, and other, but I'm sure, you know, I could help from a, a size where I say, oh, I can chop a tree down with my yeah. head or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go on then, Kent. So, what, 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 what would you offer? What you know? So you're you're standing effectively at the gates of a new gated community or whatever it may be, and it's like, right, you know, what is it that you can bring to the party? What is it you can do to mean that we would accept you we would allow you so i like to think of myself as a as andy said i'm tolerant i'm calm i'm a quick learner but also i'm quite adept at passing on that knowledge to other people so if so 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 with such thing if we were building something or building something to, to just tide us through then i'd be able to i'd pick that up relatively quickly but then I'd also be able to pass that knowledge on to other people. So that means the collective would also grow in knowledge. Um, I'm a big fan of, of that. The more people know, the better the arms they are um, for, for any sort of eventuality. Um, I like to think of myself as like, I'm not, I like to think of myself as a leader. I can take a small group of people and ask them to do stuff for the greater good, so to speak. Um, it's a skill I've learned while working at my current job. It's just been just managing small teams and just allowing them to, how best describe it, to believe they're actually, one, one ex-colleague who I used to work with said that I made her do stuff, made her work without making her feel like she was doing work. Yeah. And I think that's a good way of just taking pressure off people. Yeah. And calming them down and being able to talk to people as well as I think something I've got uh, as a genuine skill. I think I, I'm a good listener. Um, cool. Quite happy to go with, I'm also quite happy to make decisions based on collective knowledge. So I get all the parts together and then decide what was the best thing to do. What was the, however hard the decision may be, someone has to pull the trigger. Yeah. And I'm happy to do that only after I've got all the information I require. Um, that sort of thing. I'm quite, as I say, I'm, I'm quite versatile as well. I'm very adaptable. Um, as, as, stay, as I put out on Friday night, sorry, I, do suffer from uh, social stress, but that when you're in that situation, whatever your issues are, they're, they're yeah. immaterial to what you're going through. So it's how yeah. people deal with those on, on a daily, sometimes hourly basis. So I'd be able to put all that aside for the collective good. So uh, I think I think those are all skills that'd be very, very useful. Um, Practicality-wise, I no, consider myself the most practical person, but again, I can learn. Yeah, I have a brain for learning, and and I don't have. Well, I don't have the skills on me now. If I was put in that situation, give me give me a couple of days, whatever I'd learned, I'd be able to use and pass on. So, cool, again, right, Ad. Gary, if people can use. Gary, if you let me into your shelter, I will provide four things. Morale, I can I can boost morale with like annoying humour. Yeah, true. Number two, I'm actually an okay cook. Number three, if you don't like my cooking, I'm six foot five and 17 stone. I'll make a pretty decent meal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and number four, I'm lazy. Bill Gates always said if he wanted yep. something figuring out, he would give it to the laziest person because they'll find the easiest way to do it. So I will go. find you the easiest <laughs> way to do things. That's my life motto. Can I come in? <laughs> <laughs> Sold. You're in. 
quickest possible way in the quickest amount of time and still get the job done to a good, to a good enough standard. You just give it to the laziest person because they don't want to be doing it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Find yeah. to do it very quickly. A, a, they'll find somebody that can do it, or B, they'll find a way of somebody else doing it when he's dead. I have to. I like <laughs> your thinking. Like, dude, you're in your soul. I tell you, what, honestly, you're all in. It's brilliant. <laughs> here's, here's the one thing that we would need, though, that we've sort of missed out to this point is medical care. We need someone with that medical training. Now, I mean, Gaz did his diagnosis on my face that time. I fell down the stairs. So I'm not convinced he's the right man for the job. <laughs> dude, that's about well, I won't say how many pints in it was, but come on, you, you, you didn't present as an easy patient. I mean, come on, mate. I mean, you're swaying all over the place. I can't decide whether your jaw's broken when I can't even find you because you're all over the place like this. Give me half a chance. In, in all seriousness, though, you know, that is something we would need, though, isn't it? You, we would need someone with that medical training. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. I, I think just... Uh, and it might go something slightly beyond. Oh, you need to know. You know. Oh, you know. You, you break a bone, and it's like, oh, get it splinted, keep it secure. I think it goes beyond that. Cause I think it goes more into the case of you're going to be going for a long period of time, potentially without clean water, without food that you would be used to. Your diet is going to be terrible, you know, what that might do physiologically to you. It's going to get ill. You're going to get ill, you know. So I think having having somebody that has a knowledge of what that would mean and how potentially you could actually deal with that and solve that would be important. Yes, don't get me wrong, I'm not belittling anybody that, that has your basic first aid training. Yes, it's obviously very important and your life-preserving and all of that. But I think you would probably need somebody that has just that little bit more. Um, and I'm not suggesting that you would need, you know, um, somebody that, that, you know, is 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 a surgeon is this is that i think you might need somebody for example like a a a nurse or a gp or somebody like that that has a a a knowledge but you know andy is probably best place you know in in his you know when he served you know there will be guys that i assume would would have medical training as part of your group i mean i i under i I assume that that everybody would do some basic first aid training would they yeah and what, year, would, and, and what would that constitute then? Would that literally be, would it be life-preserving first aid or would it be effectively battlefield first aid? Battlefield first aid. So it's just physical debilitations, you know, like, like I say, broken leg, cut, yeah. burns, um, stuff like that. So it's, it's only really basic physical stuff you can see. Really. Yeah. If yeah, when, when you get like sick and all that, I wouldn't have a clue what to do. Other than, yeah, and I, and I think that's, that's where perhaps you would need maybe a, somebody that has a little bit more knowledge as to actually it, they're being sick because actually that's a good thing because their body's rejecting whatever it is or I, I'm you know, making up, I'm not a GP, but, you know, so I think you would need somebody that, that would have that. Um, so what are the skills then would you need? We might not have them. So what are the skills? So you've got your, your typical, you know, and, and this is not aimed at Andy in any way, but your, your typical 6566 six, six meat axe that can carry heavy things and move things and build things. You've got your your medically trained person. What what other things you, you've got? Okay, so we'll take Ken. You, we've got your very level-headed, calm, um, being able to take on board information. Are there any other sort of specific skills that you think you would need within your group to 
to survive or not? I think something like a farmer, you know, like sustainable food, because you, you can yeah. go out and hunt all day, but you're going to need that that stockpile of, you know, like potatoes or something like that, or yeah. cabbage yeah. or, you know what I mean? So you need someone that knows, you know, what time you need to plant and sow seeds and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a great shout, that is actually, to be fair. Yeah. And if you've got a vegetarian shout. in the group as well. Uh... <laughs> but I suppose, it, again, it, it goes down that line, you know, that of being sort of almost self-sufficient, and you grow your own food, you, 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 you reap your own crops and all of that sort of thing. So that's a great shout, Andy, yeah, mm. really good shout. Mm. So what what else do we think there? Anything else do we think or...? You, you could go with, say, a chemist, um, just for the fact of drugs and stuff, but, well, not drugs, but, you know, like penicillin or whatever, but then also beer. I wonder how long it'd take. I was thinking scientist or engineer as well, somebody like that with a, a mechanical knowledge, because you, you're going to come across that stuff that you're going to need a generator or something at some point to, to generate power and generate heat in the colder on the, in the colder climates. Something like that is, is probably the things that you would need, I reckon. Yeah. yeah. No, Get I, the old psych out gyro thing on it. Yeah. Was it those, uh, like the dynamos, whatever you used to have, dynamos, a bike and they put them on, put them on the wheel and stuff and used to light up. You'd be like, yeah, get one of them on. <laughs> Anyway, we're round about the hour mark now, I think. So let's just go around the table, say our goodbyes, and say the one thing that we've learned then from this episode. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Go for it, Gaza. Um, guys, it's been great again. It's been great chatting to um, to you um, and, and picking up sort of the things that you, you would do, wouldn't do in terms of doomsday uh, stroke apocalyptic prepping. Um the thing that I've learned is I would be absolutely useless if it happened. Absolutely terrible. And I probably would be relying upon all the you boys to pull us all through. So I think that's the thing for me. I would be dreadful. Um, and on that note, I'll just sign off. <laughs> <laughs> Ken? Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, another, excellent, uh, another excellent chat, another excellent podcast, and a really, really interesting subject. Um, I have learned from this experience from 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 all this that again, like guys, we I I would just be absolutely woeful in this sort of situation. The the panic and the the old fight or flight mechanism would kick in, and it'd be just like, oh, what do I do? And then eventually, over time, human beings they take time to come round to the mental side of it and go, do you know what? I need to do what I need to do. Um, we don't have the. We're too reliant on the on the system right now, and too reliant on on being where we are in the world and how lucky we are with regards to food and shelter and money and clothing and all. we'd never had to rely on those skills. But it's ingrained within our DNA that that sort of thing is is still there. And I think it's important that um, while we may not be using those right now. It's never too. It's never too late to to start learning a new skill, you know. Because you know, because just in case, the 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 more I learn, the less I know. <laughs> so, I think on that cool. basis, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I look forward to the next one. See you all, Abby. So, that was episode nineteen of TBR, and it's probably like another. The 18th uh, one we've left halfway. <laughs> we need a part two for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it, true. it felt very quick. I mean, I, I drank my beer within the first 20 minutes. Uh, I was quite interested. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah let's, let's keep going. <laughs>
But yeah, mm. I mean, yeah, it's, it's an interesting episode. So I'll, I'll look forward to seeing part two. Oh, cool. Part two as well. Maybe we go out, all go out on the moors for, for two nights and see if we can survive. Yeah. Let's wait till it warms up a bit first. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I'll tell you the one thing I've learned out of all of this, and this is important. In the event of an apocalypse, don't ask to borrow Andy socks. <laughs> the, the big building. We've all missed the point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is the way to go <laughs> so until next time when no doubt we'll have plenty more stuff to talk about take care here at Tallboy Radio we couldn't do what it is that we do if it wasn't for the good folks at Lemon Co Clothing if you're looking for something a little bit different in your sweatshirt, your t-shirt, your hoodie or your beanie, get yourself along to lemoncoclothing.com. When life gives you lemons, stay sour and make lemonade. <laughs>